I want to talk just for a minute or two about the joy of serving each other. Because if you're looking for some of this joy, then you're going to have to look where Jesus said it's found in laying down your life. I want you to turn in the Old Testament to the book of 2 Samuel chapter 6. And while you're looking for that, I'm going to read you just a couple of verses here. And I want us to put this on the screen. We, we've been hanging out there in John 4, 13, 14, 15. Look at, look at one last verse there in John 14. We'll put it on the screen. You're looking for 2 Samuel 6. But I want you to notice what Jesus said in verse 28. This is right after he said, my peace I give to you. Don't let your heart be troubled, neither let it be afraid. Verse 28, this is what Jesus said. You have heard me say I'm going away and coming back to you. Now listen, if you loved me, what would you do? Come on, church, are you listening? Come on, get in this with me. If you loved me, you would rejoice. Are they rejoicing? No. What's happening? Hearts are troubled, full of fear, panicking, afraid for the future. And what did Jesus say to them? If you loved me, the result would be joy. If you loved me, you would rejoice. Why? Because I said, I'm going to the Father, and my Father's greater than I. But what's the problem here? If you were to ask Peter, any of the guys, do you love Jesus? With tears and, and heaviness, they would have said, yes, we love him. That's why we don't want him to leave. But Jesus is saying, if you loved me. Now, I'm not accusing them of not loving him, but what I am saying is they are more focused on themselves than they are on him. And the self-centered, self-focused life is miserable. It is a miserable, depressing existence. And Jesus said, if you loved me, if you cared more about me, if you were not so mindful of yourself, but you were more mindful of me, you would rejoice. That's what love does. It rejoices. Now, you're there in 2 Samuel. Let me just read a few verses to you. We looked at this from Romans 12 last week. Romans 12.1 talks about beseeching you by the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. See, there again, that just proves we're not supposed to go to the cross for each other. So the laying down of our lives isn't the physical death in somebody else's place. Jesus has done that. But it does include being a living sacrifice, laying aside these lives. He talks about this living sacrifice that's holy and acceptable, pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. It just makes sense. If you know how much you're loved, you will love. That's what will happen. Without working, without trying, without making a big effort, if you just find out how much you're loved, love will be the result. He said, it's your reasonable service. He said, don't be conformed to the world. Be transformed. How? The renewing of your mind. Then he goes right into verse three. And this is where I want you to start with the renewing of your mind. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Skip down to verse nine. Let love be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be kindly affectionate to one another. With brotherly love, in honor, giving preference to one another, not lagging in diligence. Now, listen to these words. But fervent in spirit, doing what? Serving. 
fervent in spirit. Somebody say that. Fervent in spirit. Doing what? Serving the Lord. Fervent, the word literally means having or displaying a passionate intensity. Having or displaying a passionate intensity. Not just serving, serving passionately. Serving with intensity. I like this from the New Living Translation. It says, never be lazy, but work hard and do what? Serve the Lord enthusiastically. Woo! Come on, give me a woo! This is how you're supposed to be serving the Lord. Now remember, Jesus talked about his joy in connection with no greater love than to serve each other. Serving the Lord enthusiastically. Enthusiast, with some enthusiasm. I don't know if you were ever in high school drama, but maybe you, if you were, you, you stood on a stage and you delivered a line and it sounded a little bit like this and it was like, but soft, what light through yonder window breaks. It is the east and Juliet is the sun. Arise, fair sun, and kill the envious moon. You might have the whole monologue memorized and your director just sits there with his hand on his cheek and you get to the end and he says, okay, good. But this time with enthusiasm. This time like you mean it. Enthusiastically. Our serving is actually supposed to have some joy associated with it, connected to it, some enthusiasm with it. In the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 28, which is the blessing and the curse. If you look into the curse side of it, which I don't recommend, but it is good to know what you've been redeemed from. <laughs> Listen to what the Lord said. He said, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy and gladness of heart. Notice he didn't say, because you didn't serve him. He said, because you didn't serve him this way. Oh, come on. I'm messing with you right now. It's not because you didn't serve the Lord. It's because you didn't serve him this way. See, God's not going to let you and I get away with just doing stuff without heart in it. That's what he's looking for. That is what he's looking for. He's not looking for your mechanical approach to life. He's not looking for your re religious approach to serving. He's looking for some heart. This is what's big to him. It means more than anything to him. And he said, because you did not serve the Lord your God with joy. Let me hear that. Woo! And what else? Gladness of heart for the abundance of everything. He said, therefore, you will serve your enemy. Not because you didn't serve him, because you didn't serve him this way. Because you didn't serve him like this. Like what? With joy. With gladness of heart. He said, because you didn't serve with joy, you will serve. Oh, baby, you will serve. But you'll serve your enemy. And he goes on in the rest of this verse to tell you what your enemy is. You know what it is? Nakedness, hunger, thirst, the lack, he said, of everything. Because you weren't thankful and grateful and full of joy because of the abundance he gave, because you didn't serve him with joy and gladness of heart over the abundance that he gave, you will serve in sadness the enemy of lack. This is serious stuff with God. He's looking for what kind of giver? Well, look, I gave. 
What do you want from me? Leave me alone. That's not what he's looking for. What kind of, what kind of giver is he looking for? Cheerful, glad to do it. He said, because you didn't serve the Lord with joy and gladness of heart. You ready for this? This is that same scripture in the New Living Translation. Put that up there for us. If you do not serve the Lord your God with joy and enthusiasm. Man, I, I ran around the living room reading this this, this weekend. Going, I came into Sarah. I was like, look, here's a New Testament scripture that says enthusiasm. Here's an Old Testament scripture that I was enthusiastic. I was excited about it. This is revelation. This is what God's looking for. Some enthusiasm. Now, most of you know this about me. I'm kind of a word nerd. I've told you that. When you look up the word enthusiasm, enthusiastic, it's the Greek word entheos, theos meaning God, in meaning in. <laughs> Do you want to know when the Greeks used that word enthusiasm or enthusiast? You know what they were saying? That guy's possessed by a God. It literally means God within. Enthusiastic. Um, that scripture in, where did I read that to you? Romans chapter 12, serve the Lord enthusiastically. The cross reference says, let the spirit excite you as you serve the Lord. Now that connects back to what Jesus was trying to get these guys over into. You're too much in the flesh. You're too mindful of how this affects you. You're too mindful of what you think you're losing. Get over here in the spirit. And if you'll get into the spirit, you're going to find some peace. That's where you'll find some love. And guess what else you'll find there? Some joy unspeakable and full of glory. You're going to actually get enthusiastic. And Jesus said, if you love me, you'd rejoice. Now, I had a youth pastor when I was about ninth, 10th grade who would teach all the teenagers what it meant to rejoice. And we would sing this song about rejoicing. And the chorus was just, I rejoice in the Lord. And he said, this is what it means to rejoice. It means to throw your hands up. It means to throw your head back and to shout and to spin around wildly. And as teenagers, we loved it. It was like youth pastor sanctioned mosh pit. He'd start playing this song, and then we would just throw our hands up and spin around. I rejoice, I rejoice, I rejoice. Now, you got to be in the Spirit, because your flesh has no desire to do that. Especially in the middle of something you don't like. You're leaving. What's Jesus saying? If you love me, you would throw your hands up. You would throw your head back. You would shout. And you're thinking, How could, well, what's the connection between you leaving, what's the connection between this joy and enthusiasm and shouting and laying my life down? That's just like God, isn't it? To put the blessing in the last place you'd look for it. To put your increase, to put your joy over here in serving somebody else. It's like, how's, how does increase come? How does blessing come? By being a giver. Makes no sense to this world. This kind of joy makes no sense to this world. He's looking for some enthusiasm. He's not looking for somebody who shows up to serve with a bit of a chip on their shoulder, who feels like everybody owes them a great big thank you because, you know, I'm here. Hey, that's not what he's looking for, and it's not what we're looking for in this church. 
And as a matter of fact, if it, no matter what the need is in the church, I don't care if it's at the front door or on the stage. If you show up with something less than enthusiasm and joy over the opportunity to serve God and serve each other, don't be surprised if your leader comes to you and says, hey, why don't you take a break? Just come and sit and receive the word for a few weeks. What are we saying? There's, there needs to be a change. God's not looking for somebody that just shows up and checks a box. He's looking for some enthusiasm. And I don't care what the place or the position is. I will take some highly talented and gifted and able person out of it and put somebody else in who's got that kind of heart who shows up with some joy, who shows up with some gladness of heart, who shows up with some enthusiasm. Some enthusiasm. I was praying about it this weekend, asking the Lord, I need an example of this. You know, I started thinking about David. Here's somebody enthusiastic about God. You know, you've got to be enthusiastic to say, I would rather spend one day in the house of the Lord than to live my life in the tents of the wicked. That's enthusiasm. That's passionate about it. In that same psalm, he said, I would rather, you ready? Be a doorkeeper. I'd rather be the guy standing at the door of the house of the Lord saying, good morning, good morning, good morning, welcome, hi, good morning, good morning. He said, I'd rather be that guy than to be served in the tents of the wicked. That's enthusiasm. I said, that's enthusiasm. That's like having something else. That's like letting the spirit excite you. And it's got to be the spirit that excites you to stand at a door and say, good morning, good morning, good morning. It's got to be the spirit that excites you. That says, I'm going to go work with kids today. I'm going to go change some diapers today. And check this out. It ain't even my baby. That's got to be the Spirit of God exciting you to go serve. That's crazy. You find joy in that? Oh, joy overflowing joy. Joy. Get excited to get here an hour or two early to rehearse, to sing, to play. Get excited to come an extra day of the week to, to, to get it all together. Get excited to, to study throughout the week. Why? Because Sunday's coming, glory to God, and this is my chance to serve the Lord, to lay down my life for my friends. Oh, I get joy when I think about it. This is what he's looking for, some enthusiasm. Well, that got me to thinking more about David did you find 2 Samuel chapter 6? I gave you like 15 minutes to find it. In 2 Samuel chapter 6, we read here where the ark of the Lord, where the presence of God dwelt in that time, was coming home. It had been captured. It was in enemy's hands, but it's coming home. And it's coming home under David's reign. And the Bible says in 2 Samuel chapter 6, in verse 11, that the ark of the Lord remained in the house of Obed-Edom, the Gittite, three months, and the Lord blessed Obed-Edom and all his household. Now it was told King David, saying, The Lord has blessed the house of Obed-Edom and all that belongs to him because of the ark of God. So David went and brought up the ark of God from the house of Obed-Edom to the city of David, notice these next words, with gladness with 
gladness. One translation says with rejoicing. One says with a great celebration. David's doing this. He's doing it with gladness. And so it was when those bearing the ark of the Lord had gone six paces that he sacrificed oxen and fatted sheep. Verse 14, then David danced before the Lord. But this wasn't just some church jig he was doing. This was not some Pentecostal granny two-step dance. David danced before the Lord with all his might. How do you do that? It's not this. It's, it's not subtle. It's not contained. I don't honestly know what this looked like. I mean, we'll find out a little bit here in just a couple of seconds, a few verses. But all you know is David is putting everything he's got in it. He's dancing like a man possessed. Like a man who's got something else in him. Dancing with all his might. This is the kind of dance that you got to take a break from in a little bit. This is the kind of dance where you work up a sweat. And it says he danced before the Lord with all his might. Wearing a linen ephod. A linen ephod. So David and all the house of Israel brought up the ark of the Lord with shouting. There you go. Shouting and with the sound of the trumpet. Now as the ark of the Lord came into the city of David, Michael, Saul's daughter, looked through a window and saw David leaping and whirling before the Lord. Does that sound like my youth pastor? What's it mean to rejoice? Throw your hands up. Throw your head back. Shout and spin around. What's David doing? Rejoicing. He's rejoicing. Now his wife, Saul's daughter, is watching. But the Bible gives us these, this detail. She's watching from a window. Is she participating? Where should she be? If she loved God, what would she do? What did Jesus say? If you love me, you would. What is this showing up? She doesn't love God. This doesn't excite her. Oh, they brought the box back. So she's watching from a distance, looking out the window, watching David leap and whirl. And she despised him in her heart. Verse 17, so they brought the ark of the Lord and set it in its place in the midst of the tabernacle that David had erected for it. And David offered burnt offerings and peace offerings before the Lord. When David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings, doesn't this sound familiar? He's excited that God and the presence of God is back, but his praise, his worship, in his mind is not complete without this offering. David had finished offering burnt offerings and peace offerings. He blessed the people in the name of the Lord. And this verse, I've never seen it before. What's the, what's the very next thing he did? He distributed among all the people, among the whole multitude of Israel, both the women and the men, to everyone, a loaf of bread, a piece of meat, a cake of raisins. What's David doing? Serving. Serving. The king is serving his people. Is he half-hearted about it? 
is it ritualistic to him? He is serving, but there's joy. There is enthusiasm in it. So all the people departed, everyone to his house, and David returned to bless his house, his household. And Michael, the daughter of Saul, came out to meet David and said, how glorious was the king of Israel today? Sarcasm. How glorious was the king of Israel today? Uncovering himself today in the eyes of the maids of his servants as one of the base fellows shamelessly uncovers himself. Now, you know, her words have led us and many to believe David was out there either naked or nearly. Doesn't that what it sound like? You've uncovered yourself. Be honest. You thought that. The David went dancing down that street in his tidy whities or some, <laughs> some underwear garment that everybody should be so embarrassed. Oh, don't look. That's, that's what her words made it sound like. But did you notice in the verses before it, it said it, we were told what he was wearing. It was the linen ephod. This is a robe. This is a priestly robe. So what is she talking about? She, she's saying... You took off your royal robe. Oh, church. You took off that high place. You took off. You stripped yourself of your royalty. And you put this other thing on. You go study the ephod. And it's what God told Aaron to put on. He said, don't you minister without wearing this. This is what you wear to minister. And if you look up the word minister, you know what it means? And it's even translated this way a number of times throughout Scripture. Servant. This is what you wear to serve. So what's she saying? Oh, you're uncovered. No, he just changed clothes. So enthusiastic, so excited about God and the return of his presence to his people that he humbled himself, took off his kingly stuff, put on the robe of a servant. And he said to her, it was before the Lord who chose me instead of your father and all his house to appoint me ruler over the people of the Lord over Israel. Therefore, I will play music before the Lord and I will be even more undignified than this. And I will humble myself in my own sight. And as for the maidservants of whom you have spoken, by them I'll be held in honor. Here's what I want you to see. When you get enthusiastic, when you find joy in serving, you know what's going to happen? It's going to show up other people's apathy. See, there are people that think they can hide in the crowd. They can hide their complacency. But they can't hide if you're enthusiastic. David's exuberance, David's joy, David's enthusiasm over God did one thing. Shined a light on her complacency. And it didn't go well for her. We get one detail about the rest of her life. She bore no children. Her sarcasm, her criticism, her despising of somebody who loved God enough 
to simply change his clothes, humble himself, and dance before the Lord. She despised it, ruined their marriage, and who knows about the rest of her life. She could have been down there. She could have seen what was going on from that window, and she could have said, I'm not letting him outpraise me. I'm not, I'm not letting him outdance me. Besides, it's so awkward. I better go down there and distract, right, and show these people how to dance. She could have participated. She could have gotten involved. The same opportunity was there to be enthusiastic about the presence of God. Hey, thank you so much for listening to the Legacy TV podcast. We hope you enjoyed this. And if you'd like to hear more of Jeremy and Sarah, subscribe to this podcast and download the Legacy Studios app. From there, you'll have access to the Legacy Television broadcast, the Legacy Letter magazine, and so much more. You can also visit pearsonsministries.com to contact us directly and find out how you can get involved with everything that's happening here at Legacy Studios. Be blessed today. We love you. Remember, you are always welcome here in the House of Faith.